What's going on, folks? Happy Saturday. Happy day one. It's an amazing day. I love day one of Ship 30. Every single time from the very beginning, from right when I see that first Atomic Essay hit my timeline throughout the whole day, fires me up. So who has hit publish? Drop in the chat. How'd it feel? If you haven't yet, that's okay. But if it's, uh, if it's already been done, you're ahead of the pack. Terrifying. I saw, saw a lot of essays here. this morning. That you yeah, people are a lot of a lot of sacred hours early in the morning, just like me. You know, good, 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 good. Five days already. Good stuff. What else we got? Liberating Peter. That's awesome. Laura, congrats. Sixty seconds ago, just in time. Nice job. What else we got? Just to start. That's right. Easy, easy. Energizing. I think that's a, one of my favorites, Kevin. What else? Not yet. You got some ideas? All good. Anyone use a TypeShare template for their first day? It's awesome. I saw a yeah. bunch of them. Oh, that's cool. Andre, I don't know how you did that on your Zoom, but that is really cool. <laughs> that's what my first essay is about. So you can check it out. There you go. Wow. <laughs> awesome. What else? TypeShare helped a lot. Cool. So there's seven subatomic templates that you can use and follow the entire week if you'd like. So if you, you don't even have to think, just follow those prompts for the first week. And then by Tuesday, when we do our endless idea generator session, you'll, the, the, uh, the idea of staring at a blank page will be long gone. Category POV. Cool. A lot of really good TypeShare upgrades. Lots of templates are coming. It's going to be good. Very excited about that. Community is awesome. Jay, appreciate that. Elizabeth, not too late. You'll, you'll get it. You'll get it. We got all day. We got a four-hour ride-along session after this. If anyone wants a little bit of accountability to yeah. come and uh, tune in. It's the first time we've ever done this. We're very excited for it. Basically, after this call, if you want a, you know, I've found that recently I've been recording my writing sessions with Loom, uh, a screen recorder, because I've been sharing it with uh, Captain's Table members. And I have, when I have that screen being recorded, I basically don't go on Twitter or Reddit or anywhere else that's distracting. So if you want a little bit of accountability to come do your writing, uh, we'll also help you if you have any questions on TypeShare or publishing or finding your badges, all that stuff. Um, we're basically going to leave the Zoom open from 1.30 to 5.30 Eastern today. Come hang out um, quietly and like a library, and then we will uh, we'll get you on your way. A digital library. A digital library. That's right. All right, we'll get we'll get 30 more seconds for uh, the Saturday stragglers. I love this session, Dickie. I get so fired up about it. I'm I excited to dive in. Right? I think if we need anything, we need uh, captain's hats and t-shirts and laptop stickers, I think, is the yep. notebooks. Notebooks is on the way. We're partnering with uh, Best Self Co. to create a little Ship 30 daily writing habit journal in the long run. That's going to be fun. I just want a t-shirt with a burning chapeau on it. That's yeah. all I want. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the merch. Merch Merch is one of those things that sounds amazing until you realize how much work goes into it, but we're going to get it done. We're going to we're going to yep. get some kind of print on demand or something that where we don't have to go from, you know, a digital writing course into a, a logistics fulfillment center. I'm trying to avoid that. Uh, but that's it. 
All right, let's kick it off. Let's go for it. Let's do it. Man, happy Saturday, everyone. That's right. The energy is awesome. Okay, so real quick today, let me get my slides up. Uh, One second. Right away. Hold on, I lost you. Give me a second. Where did my Zoom go? There we go. Okay, starting right away with the badges. If you have all six badges, you are in the top of the leaderboard. 58% have all six. Congrats to you. Um, we'll go ahead and flip through that. So a good part about Saturday is it's a good day to catch up on your badges if you haven't claimed them all. So if your name is not on this list, um, we'll go ahead and flip through it. Cole, you want to flip through it? Mm, there we go. There are a lot of strippers on this list. So uh, we're going to go through this, get a screenshot of your name. Great job. You crushed onboarding week. You're ahead of the pack. Keep it up. Um, as, as always, we're going to show this list at the beginning of every single live session. It's good stuff. You see your name, give it a shout. Um, if you haven't claimed, a lot of people might be at five. If you haven't claimed your rapid fire intro badge, I think it is the coolest part of Ship 30 is the infrastructure we have where you are instantly matched with another Ship 30 member just by leaving a comment. So that's all you got to do is go to the rapid fire intros post and hit match or reply with match me. And the, um, We'll, we'll throw you in a group chat with a, another shipper. So a lot of you, anyone on this list has already done it. Who's already done that? Anyone set up a Zoom call, get to meet their, their rapid fire. You can use it as an accountability partner for the first week. You can do a lot of different things, right? Towards the middle of the cohort, we'll roll out interest-based ones where you can match with someone who is interested in the same talk, topic as you. So lots of good stuff. Dickie, yep. you know what's cool? I think, I think it'd be cool to tell people this seems like it's our most engaged cohort yet. I think so. From the very beginning, it's like it's felt a little bit different, a little bit more energy. It's really cool to see. I mean, last cohort was really good, but I don't think we had 60% of people with every badge at the end of the first week, right? People are catching mm-hmm. on. Alumni captains are reaching out. It's all going really well. So we're, we're really happy with it, and, and things are off to a really hot start. Yep. A couple of shout outs that are just awesome. So what we love doing at the beginning of every live session is we'll pull some of the wins from the circle channel. So if you experience something cool, please share it because we love sharing it with the community. Um, things like this, you know, Boris feeling a little behind, four days behind, took a day, cranked through, got caught up. It's amazing what you can do with just a little bit of focus. You know, if you start to feel behind, a lot of this, it's all very actionable, you know, so you don't need to block off a whole week to get caught up. You can get caught up in an hour, you know? So love seeing that. Nice job, Boris. Um, This we always love. And this is kind of the serendipity of writing on the internet is you have no idea who's going to read your work. You have no idea when you publish something or put something out into the world, you don't know who's going to see it. You don't know who's going to engage with it. And here, you know, Dakota shared, Tim Ferriss just retweeted my tweet. That doesn't happen if you have a blog. That doesn't happen if you're keeping your writing inside your journal on your desk, right? That only happens when you practice in public and you hit publish. So we love seeing these wins because this emphasizes the importance of writing and sharing in public. Same thing with this. Amanda was here was talking about how, you know, writing for a long time before ship 30, tweak a couple things. And all of a sudden you're seeing uh, like significant growth and Hey, my audience is starting to grow. This got more engagement than I'm typically used to. The engagement rate is higher. You know, there's 
there is a lot of compounding benefit here. And some people see it day one, some people see it day 15, some people see it day 30, some people see it in their second cohort, but we love seeing these wins. So please, if you experience them, please share them because they're, they're really cool to see. Here's another great one. You'll see this constantly as we go through ship 30, but the more you write on the internet, the more these opportunities just start to come to you. So all of a sudden publications go, hey, I'd love for you to write for me. Or companies go, I'd love to hire you as a writer. Or a podcaster goes, hey, I read your essay. I'd love for you to come on my podcast and talk about that topic. You know, all of these inbound opportunities just start presenting themselves. That's what makes the internet so serendipitous. And then here, Phoenix is in our captain's table, zero to one, getting ready to launch first digital product. We love seeing that. You're going to see some of the alumni that are in the captain's table start to take those next steps after ship 30. So if this is your first time taking ship 30, then you're going to notice, oh, okay, those are the things that come further down the line, which is just really exciting to see. So nice work, everyone. Yeah, just be sure to keep posting your wins in the wins channel. We'll, we'll make sure to highlight them at the beginning. Um, okay, a couple quick logistics. First, this is day one, obviously. If you haven't hit publish yet, that's okay. If you have, congrats. Like I said earlier, we'll have a ride-along session uh, that you can RSVP to after this call. Basically, come, um, turn your camera on, stay in silence, write, hit publish, and then go claim your badges if you need a little bit of accountability. Uh, it's going to be a fun session. And then just a couple things. Don't get in your own way, right? The easy part is now you just get to write. You have everything set up. Not every day is going to be perfect. Not every day you're going to be the most proud of. Not every day you're going to feel like writing. But if you can, we say this a hundred times throughout Ship 30, writing and publishing every single day for 30 days will change your life. And if you stick to it, the benefits really will start to compound towards the end. So keep it up, publish as many days as you can. If I was giving you any piece of advice, it's don't miss twice. There's going to be some days where some something gets in the way. Hopefully not, right? Our goal is for everyone to make it all 30 days, but we know that's not always going to happen. But if you don't miss twice, it's impossible to fail. You have one off day, you get right back on the next day. Because if you miss one and then you miss two, you're going to start to tell yourself a story of no one's really reading. Do I really need to do this? Is the right thing to do? Just don't miss twice. If you miss one day, make it every effort. Reach out to your alumni captain. Reach out to other shippers. Just pull up the Twitter list and see them all publishing very prolifically. And you're going to get the itch. You're going to say, okay, I know I can go and do it today. That's the best part of the Ship30 community is you have so many others doing it with you that you can use them for inspiration. So uh, keep that up. Uh, share your learnings in public like we said on the first call. If you have any big takeaways, go ahead and tweet them out. Tag us. Let us know. We're always you know, trying to have people pay it forward. And then the week one badges and deep dives. The first live session, which we'll see on the, in a couple slides, has a deep dive paired with it. For every live session going forward, you'll find a deep dive that kind of digs further into what we talk about. Yeah. Couple quick things too, as long as, you know, just to prep everyone here, if your DMs aren't open, you can open your direct messages inside Twitter here. You go inside settings and then privacy and safety. It's really great to have your DMs open because as you see other people with the ship emoji in their profile, it's a really great way to just spontaneously talk to people. Um, we really encourage you to make use of the community. So open your DMs and also so that people can find you on Twitter uh, especially when you're in breakout rooms, if you want a great best practice is to change your display name on Zoom to your Twitter handle. So that way, when you're in breakout rooms or if you see other people in the chat that you want to connect with, you can just take their uh, username and go find them on Twitter. So 
at some point, you know, if, if you want to do that, that's a great thing you can do. Um, to give you a sense of where we're at, here's where we're at on the tracker. You know, it's Saturday. This is day one. Um, you all have the downloadable PDF. This is what we're going to be walking through uh, throughout Ship 30. Um, it's an easy way to keep track of where you are on the journey and what's going on, when the live sessions are, when the badges are, uh, when the badges can be unlocked. And this is what we're going to focus on today. Um, we're going to get into the mindset of being a digital writer, get you your digital writer badge, um, and go through a bunch of frameworks that, you know, for, for Dickie and I are very foundational. We continue to use these frameworks every single day when we sit down to write. So this is a very zero to one type of session. Yep. Yep. All right. So real quickly, before we get into, so this is um, to claim your digital writer badge. After this call, you'll comment on the replay with a link to your first published atomic essay on Twitter, type share, LinkedIn, wherever you hit publish, just hit reply and you'll automatically claim that. And then we're going to introduce a lot in today's session. And the deep dive that is paired with this is a long form blog post that will kind of clarify a lot of these things. So block some time and give that a read and you'll see these kind of click a little bit better. Um, and then very last thing before we get going, we throw a ton at you during these live calls. Um, some people say almost too much, and that's okay because that's our goal is to always just pack these with as much value. Don't try to write down every single thing you hear, latch on to every single thing we talk about. These recordings you have access to forever, the chat transcript you have access to forever. Come into this live session and say, all I'm looking for is one thing that I can apply to my writing because the beauty of Ship 30 is the very next day you get a chance to put that into practice. So don't come and try and capture it all. You're not going to be able to, and that's okay. You're going to be able to read and watch these in the future. Just come and say, I'm looking for one golden nugget. And we're going to ask you what that golden nugget was at the end of the call, just so you can kind of clarify it a little bit. Yeah. All right, Cole, what are we diving into today? Today is a big day. These are, these are some zero to one. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. The way you think about writing will change forever. So what we're going to go through is first our lean writing mentality, this idea of starting small and iterating over time. Second, we're going to explain this concept of making noise and listening for signal, you know, talking about how we all have assumptions as writers and in order to discover what works, you got to put things out into the world and double down on your winners. And then third, we're going to show you how to use this combination that we call for who, so that, so that you can gain clarity around the things that you're writing. So you're not just sitting down and going, okay, I have a blank page. I don't really know what it's for. I don't know who I'm writing to. We're going to give you a framework for that. All right, go ahead. So real, real quick, if you, uh, you know, you picked up the 22 laws of digital writing, if you've gone through it, this is kind of our, um, foundational. These are all the pillars that we talk about with digital writing. Um, it's a short read. These are all the foundational principles that, that we teach and we talk about. If you haven't given this a read, we encourage you to go through uh, the copy. You have a copy just by being part of Ship 30. Um, but the big point of view that we want to start with is that digital writers don't write for their readers, right? The old way of thinking about writing is you go off into a cabin somewhere right? You pack your chapeau, you pack your corn cob pipe, you pack your candle, you sit in front of the window, and you are the one responsible for being brilliant for your readers, right? That's the old way of thinking. And the new way of thinking because of the internet is that you're actually writing with your readers, 
you, they are part of the writing experience. So as you write and as you publish, you're going to get feedback. People are going to comment. They're going to ask you questions. You're going to see objectively with data what things people like more than others, which pieces get more views. All of that means that you are working with your readers to write together. And that's the whole, that's the big aha of Ship 30 is that you're not writing alone, you're writing together. And that's what we're going to dig into here today. So to give you a sense of, you know, there's kind of two worlds and our goal is to move you from the old world of analog writing. You run away into a cabin in the woods, right? And we bring you into the new world where you exist and you operate in this digital space where you have the opportunity to learn and iterate so much faster, exponentially faster than you would be able to by yourself. So a couple differences, right? Old world, very slow feedback loops, right? Think about if you're Hemingway and you spend three years working on a novel and then you got to wait another year and a half for the publisher to publish it. And then you got to wait another six months to wait for all the newspapers to write their reviews on your book. And then you finally complete the feedback loop five years later and you go, oh, I guess the readers didn't really like my war stories. I guess I got to try something different, right? That's a really slow feedback loop. Digital writers, you have rapid fire feedback loops, right? Dickie can tweet something and in four minutes go, actually, yeah, I don't think people really like that concept or tweet something and goes, wow, that, that atomic essay picked up way faster than I thought it would. Maybe I should expand that. I didn't know my readers were interested in that, right? So if you think about how much faster you can learn and iterate, the digital world allows you to do that at a breakneck speed. And that's the benefit right? Same thing, analog writing. You're practicing in private. It's you in your log cabin, and you're the one responsible for all the genius, right? And think about how challenging that is. When people talk about, oh, writing's so stressful, or, oh, I have writer's block, or, oh, like, this is so difficult. It's because you're trying to do it on your own. Digital writers practice in public, right? So they iterate with their readers. It's not, you don't have all of that burden anymore, Analog writers are optimizing for perfect. They go, I'm not going to publish my great American novel until I know it's perfect. Digital writers optimize for progress, right? I go, I'm going to tweet something. I'm going to write something that's 250 words. I'm going to see how it resonates. And then I'm going to do it again. And you're always focusing on moving forward, not this, you know, forever tweaking adjectives in the hope of perfection, right? It's a very old way of thinking and it's not effective. Analog writers write alone, digital writers write with their readers. And then something that we're going to talk about at the very end of Ship 30 and kind of going into the captain's table is analog writers monetize their writing one way and one time. I write a book, I sell a book. Digital writers, you own it, you can monetize it 20 different ways. You own it, you created it. Your book could be a paid newsletter, it could be an email course that goes into a uh, another course, it could go into a community, it could go into other products, right? That's the beauty of being a digital writer is you own it, you can monetize it multiple times. So the, this is the big zero to one transformation that we're hoping to facilitate for you. And Ship 30 tries to take this entire journey from being an analog writer to a digital writer and put it into a 30-day sprint, right? So instead of, you know, a weekly blog post like I used to do, or, you know, maybe even worse than that, like a monthly thing, whatever you feel like writing. No, we say you're going to write and publish every day for 30 days in public, right? You're going to have rapid fire feedback loops because you're publishing into a community of readers, right? You're putting it on Twitter or LinkedIn, wherever you want to 
you know, hit publish in a social environment where people are going to respond instead of kind of the, the crickets of indifference that come when you publish on your own blog that no one really knows exist, right? You're not writing alone. You're writing with a community. You're writing with accountability partners. All of this, you know, transformation from analog to digital is happening during your 30-day journey. Yeah. So that brings us to our first framework that we call lean writing. And this is where take some time to read the deep dive because the deep dive to this session is very mind blowing. We're going to, we're going to show you some of the stories here, but the deep dive goes into it in full detail. The lean writing framework basically says, look, before you go spend four years of your life, trying to write your first book, which I did, I went through it. It was very inefficient. I wouldn't recommend it. Okay. So before you go over invest in, I'm going to write a book or I'm going to create a course, or I'm going to go launch some big digital product, or even over-investing in writing a 3000 word long form blog post, right? What you want is you want to validate whether or not readers are even interested in that thing. And this is the challenge when you're, when you're first starting out as a writer and people make this mistake for 10 years and they don't realize it, you think, you know, what readers want, right? You operate from a place of assumption. I assume that readers are going to want to hear about a certain topic from me. And it's not until you start publishing that you realize that that was an assumption that isn't based on any data. You have no proof that that is true, right? So in order to prove your assumption, it's better to start very small, right? You write an atomic essay, write 250 words on the topic, see if readers are engaged. If they are, expand it. Okay, I'm doubling down. It becomes a Twitter thread. They're still engaged. Great. I expand it. It becomes a long form article. They're still engaged. They want more. Great. Turn that into a free email course. They're still engaged. Great. Turn that into an ebook. They're still engaged. Great. Turn that into a course. Okay. And so all of a sudden you start with an atomic essay. And as long as you keep doubling down on what you, what you see is objectively working, an atomic essay can become an entire business. An atomic essay can become a 300 page book. An atomic essay can become a five-hour long course, but before you go over and invest in that thing, you should probably validate whether or not that thing is something that people are interested in. And that's what we call the lean writing framework. Yeah. The, the key thing to keep in mind here is your time is just way too valuable to be spending or investing anything long form that the market isn't already begging for. And there are too many resources at your disposal to validate interest before you go and sit down and uh, retreat into the woods for your, you know, 500,000 word magnum opus, right? Instead, the opposite of lean writing is ego-driven writing, right? It's, I assume that the market is wrong if I publish something that goes nowhere. It's very me, me, me focused, right? Mm -hmm. I hit publish on something and, oh, if no one reads it, that means they just don't see my vision. It's very, you know, starving artist, Right. You go out and uh, I'm putting things out there and just wait until someone catches on, like just wait till people see what I have to say versus the lean writing framework. It says, hey, I'm not going to operate from a place of ego. I'm going to go out there and say, what is it that the market's actually looking for? How can I write things that people actually find useful or interesting or helpful and validate those ideas from the bottoms up and then double down on the ones that are working? Yeah. And just just to drive this point home, I mean, Dickie. When you first started writing on Twitter, what did you assume people wanted to hear about from you? Um, I can't, I mean, it was, it was 
a little bit of an assumption, but by no, here's, here's actually what it was. By the time I started writing on Twitter, I had committed to the fact that I had no clue what people wanted to write about. Mm. Right. When I started in the very beginning, it was, you know, I think people are going to be super interested in my thoughts on productivity. Right. I'd read a bunch of books like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I get a lot done. I'm doing a bunch of things. Like that's all people want to hear from me. And then those didn't really go anywhere because I wasn't saying anything different than the hundred thousand people out there talking about productivity. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's all about crushing an assumption. And the only way to do that is to actually put things out there. And now since you've, you continue to double down on what people find valuable, which is digital writing advice, digital writing frameworks, you keep growing. You know, that's the framework is like you find the things that the data is objectively telling you readers are interested in. And as long as you keep following that, you are going to grow faster, period, full stop. That's how the game works. Okay. So how this actually manifests in the world is you go step one. I try lots of different ideas. Remember we said weeks one and two are all about it experimentation, personal stories, tell personal stories. If you want to try and talk about things that you've learned working in your career or in your industry, share those, right? If you want to try and create your own frameworks, share those. If you want to curate other people's insights, do that. You don't know yet what works and that's okay, right? So you try lots of different things. Then when you start to see a breakout data point, right? You go, everything I'm writing gets one like, but this thing that I wrote got three likes, that's significant. That one thing just got three times more engagement, right? And what people do is they group things together in their brain and they go, well, one like and five likes are the same thing. No, they're not. That's five times more. That's the equivalent of a hundred likes to 500 likes, right? It's the same thing. That's a thousand views to 5,000 views. So what you're looking for is you're looking for these little tiny breakout points and you go, that's interesting. Why did that get two times, three times, five times, 10 times more engagement or more viewership than everything else that I write? Maybe I should do that again. And no one teaches writers how to think this way, right? You just, in school, you think, I sit down, I write a paragraph and I wrote the paragraph. So that means I'm successful. No, you write, you put it out into the world, you gather data, and then you double down on what readers are saying, I like that. I want more of that. And you keep doing that. And then step three is you take those proven data points and you go, I'm going to expand them, right? Like most people don't realize that the book I wrote, The Art and Business of Online Writing, every single thing in that book, I already have wrote about on the internet. Every single topic in that book. That book is, a, is the culmination of like a hundred different things that I wrote online, all of which readers said, that's really helpful. I want more of that, right? So all the game is, is you create lots of different things, you look for the data points and you double down on your winners. That's lean writing. And the key is just getting those data points out there. 99% of writers never even hit publish on that one thing or they publish monthly. They don't have enough potential data points, right? But over 30 days, you're going to compress, you know, what takes a lot of people a whole year into just 30. And then you have so many potential data points, right? People could ask you questions. Some of them could go viral and you double down on those, right? We're really compressing this whole journey down into 30 days. And this is to help you execute this framework. Yep. So real quick, we're going to show you some examples of how this works. 
But as you understand the framework, have you seen other writers do this? You know, are there creators that you follow or writers that you look up to where you've kind of noticed from afar that they're doubling down on their winners and they're, they're refining as they go? Um, if there are, throw, throw it in the chat because we're going to show you some examples. And again, once you see it, you can't unsee it. You're going you're gonna to scroll through Twitter later today and you're going to start noticing like, oh, wow, all they're doing is just doubling down on their winners over and over and over again. Yep. Seen a lot of good ones. Justin Welsh, good friend of ours, Tiago Forte. Yep. Um, Lenny Rachitsky. That's a great example, right? He has a massive Substack newsletter on product management. And it all started probably just sharing one or two ideas on product management while he was a product manager. And people were like, whoa, do you have a framework yeah. for this? Do you have a framework for that? Right. Johnny Sun. Yeah. A lot of cool ones here. So as we go into the examples here, the, the big insight that we want you to take away is that as a digital writer, you are the CEO of your writing and your writing is a startup, right? So the same way that someone would sit there and go, I'm going to build this startup. I'm going to build in public. I'm going to get customer feedback. We're going to experiment in beta. We're going to learn what customers want. We're going to iterate as we go, right? That's, that's what you do when you're building a startup. It's the same exact thing being a digital writer, right? You don't, no one would go like raise a bunch of money and then go into the woods and go, I'm going to try and build a startup to perfection. And then I'm going to launch it and the whole world's going to love it. Investors would be like, that is a terrible idea. You need to know that people want it. Except for, so we did this last time, right? Who's here has heard of Quibi? Quibi, the little <laughs> short video marketing or video platform, right? They came out and said, oh, the future is you know, six or five minute short form video only on your phone, all this stuff. They raised hundreds of millions of dollars, right? Probably very few people, CNN plus, right? All these things that they weren't really sure that the market wanted. That's what we're trying to avoid here versus all of the successful startups recently have come out, iterated on their product, right? Uber, Uber started as a rich person cab in San Francisco. That was it. Right. And then it became mass market. Almost every successful broad product at this point started as a very niche small product using this same lean framework. Yeah. And so to drive this home, so I want to kind of point out what this looks like. Okay. Here, Michael's a, a early Ship 30 alumni. You know, he goes, okay, the power of Ship 30. Here's all the things that he did in 2021 started two ebooks gained a bunch of followers, launched a newsletter, wrote eight long form blog posts, 60 atomic essays, right? And still figuring out what is my niche? Who am I writing for? How, where's this all going? Couple cohorts later, as he continues to double down on what's working, he goes, oh, you know what? I realized that every time I write about practical stoicism, every time I write about how to integrate that in a very practical way, data tells me that that's what people are interested in. So he doubled down and he kept creating. And now he has practical stoicism ebooks and practical stoicism courses and practical stoicism content that performs better than all of his other stuff. It's not rocket science, right? You just, you publish a bunch of things and then you go, interesting. I see what people are gravitating to. Let me do more of that, right? And we're getting to a really cool point in Ship 30 now. This is our 12th cohort where a lot of writers are starting to see success with their own products and courses and offerings all from 
things they shared during their 30 days of ship 30, right? Michael came in and said, I want to write about IT and I want to write about stoicism. Stoicism caught on a little bit more than IT. And now he's got a course on it. He's got a huge following on Twitter of people interested in stoicism, right? All of these things start with just putting data points out there. And we're getting to a point where we're having a ton of examples of, of successful alums about 10 months later. Yeah. And Jareen was another great example. You know, Jareen was basically writing about her frustration in going, I have too many interests. How am I supposed to pick a niche if I have too many interests? And so she uses our frameworks and she goes, you know what? I'm going to call that something. If you have too many interests as a creator, you are called a multi-passionate creator. And all of a sudden, all these readers go, whoa, hey, I'm a multi-passionate creator too. I resonate with that. Data tells her this is working. So she doubled out. She doubles down on it. She writes more. And now she's working on her first product, right? Being a multi-passionate creator. Okay. So it's, it's a very simple, like you're just trying things and then doubling down on the winners. And this is what it looks like for people coming out of ship 30. But the reality is there's very well-known writers that do this and they've been doing this for a long time. A great example is most people don't know that Malcolm Gladwell's book, The Tipping Point, started as an article. And if you don't know how the story goes, you know, he, he was a writer for The New Yorker and had a column and was building an audience. And a publisher went to him and said, hey, we'd love to give you a book deal. And he goes, I don't know what book to write. And they go, well, why don't you look through your library and tell us data what your most popular article was? He goes through, he goes, hey, I wrote this article called The Tipping Point. That has been my most viewed, most engaged article. They go, great, expand that into a book. Best-selling book, sells 4 million copies, right? So it's not that Malcolm Gladwell went off into the woods and went, you know what? I've got this big grand idea and I'm gonna go write this best-selling book that's gonna sell 4 million copies called The Tipping Point. It's literally titled the exact same thing as the article, right? All you're doing is you're just going, this worked. I'm going to expand it. That is it. And this is not the only example. The exact same thing happened with the subtle art of not giving a fuck. He had a popular blog. Publisher goes to him and says, hey, you have a big audience. We'd love to give you a book deal. He goes, I don't know what to write a book about. They go, why don't you tell us what your most viewed blog post is? He goes, it's a blog post called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. They go, great, expand that, add a couple more examples, go into a little bit more detail, and there's your book. Book sells 10 million copies, okay? It is a, it, this is the framework. This is the lean writing flip framework, and it is everywhere. And once you see it, you notice YouTubers use this, TikTokers use this, bloggers use this, authors use this. All you're doing is doubling down on what works. And, and here's a couple more, right? Ryan Holiday. We talk about these in the deep dive. Yeah. Ryan Holiday, Stoicism, started as a blog post on Tim Ferriss's blog, right? What else? We had, who's here's read The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel, yep. right? That started as a blog post. Uh, Nick Majuli, another awesome finance writer, just came out with a book called Just Keep Buying. Three quarters of it are his old blog posts repurposed into a book. He's already had validation right? Every Atomic Habits, James Clear, how many uh, blog posts had he written about habits before he wrote his book? Hundreds, right? And everyone said, 
that's the coolest thing you share. I want to use those, right? These come again and again and again, and you're going to see these everywhere that there's no more of this retreating into the woods and writing this thing. Everything that is coming out now that is successful has been validated. And we're going to show you exactly how to do that. Yeah. If you want, um, if this is clicking for you and I hope it is, cause it's, this is, it's such a zero to one moment that you're going to love the deep dive because the deep dive picks apart a bunch of these examples. And it is really cool. Like most people don't know the Malcolm Gladwell story. It's an awesome story, right? Like, Oh, it, was, it just started as an article. The same thing can happen with an atomic essay. You go, I wrote an atomic essay. It was a breakout data point. I decided to expand that into a long form blog post or a long form email course, right? You're, we want you to do the same thing. So the big question then is, okay, but wait, how do we know what's working, right? How do you know when you're experiencing a breakout data point? And this is the whole framework of making noise and listening for signal. Dick, you want to break this down? Yeah, th this is the core of Ship 30. Over the next 30 days, your goal is to make a bunch of noise, right? Instead of assuming what the market wants or publishing haphazardly or anything that kind of hides you from putting data points out into the world, you're going to say, over the next 30 days, I'm going to try everything. I have a bunch of topics. And this is really goes back to the original 30-day writing challenge that I went on was, look, I have all these ideas in my head how do I at least try writing about them to see if I want to in the long run, right? I said, I know I want to talk about health and fitness, but I've never written on it. How do I just put some small things out there to kind of see, hey, or is anyone interested in this? Or am I even interested in this, right? Instead of taking years to kind of go through that process, the make noise listen for signal framework is how do I put data points out into the world and then analyze them just like the best startups do for what's actually working. Yeah. So this is the question I've been, I've noticed this question in the chat as we've been going through. And I just want to reiterate, if you, if you notice yourself asking questions, feel free to throw them in the chat, but we've iterated on all of these live sessions. So chances are the question that you're asking is probably the one we're about to answer. So just trust the journey, you know, make yourself a cocktail on the ship and just enjoy. Okay. Because it, we're taking you on a journey. Um, the, your, how you discover what your niche is, is it is not purely a, I wrote something, I saw that a lot of people liked it. And you know what, I'm just going to forego what I want. And I'm just going to double down on what other people want. That's not exactly what we're saying. It is a blend. It's a blend of paying attention to objective data, reader data and saying, okay, clearly when I write about this topic, readers are interested. But in order for you to stick with it, right, in order for you to actually build a niche of your own, it has to be something that you intrinsically enjoy too, right? So I've written uh, atomic essays and Twitter threads. Dickie's written atomic essays and Twitter threads where it was about a topic that we were like, all right, cool. I'll write about this. It got a bunch of attention. And then we were like, eh, that was cool, but I don't really want to keep writing about that. That's not my thing. And the, the idea here is that it is your choice. That's, that is the goal is that all you're doing is you're gathering data so that you can make the decision. This is what people want. This is what I want. I'm trying to find the middle ground, right? You have the conscious choice to do that. And you want to generate those choices over the next 30 days. That is the goal, right? Right now you're saying, Hey, I don't have very many paths I could take, right? You could write 30 things and 20 of them are really successful. 
but 18 of them you kind of looked at and you're like, I couldn't write about that for 15 years if I wanted to, but two of them, two of them, you could double down on. And that's the goal is during this, you're going to come in. One of my favorite things is people who come in and say, I want to write about productivity. And during their first six days, they write everything in their head about productivity. And then they say, I never want to write about productivity again. Thank you. Thank you for accelerating this whole journey because I got sick of it. I realized that's not what I want to write about this whole time. And now I'm onto this new thing like biotechnology, right? They just, some little data point comes out of someone saying, whoa, that's interesting. And then they completely pivot right about that. And then they're off and running. Right. But for so many writers, they never get to that point of getting enough data points out there where they can say, hey, I think I want to write about this, but turns out I really don't. But this other thing, that's what I want to go all in on. Yeah, it's just a choice. Okay, that's your goal is you have the conscious choice. So, again, just saw this question in the chat. This is the next thing. Right. Is so what are the signals? Okay, so you have two different types of signals. You have internal signals, which is how you feel about it. And you have external signals, which is how readers feel about it, right? And you want both. Where where writers go wrong is they only do the internal. They're like, this is what I want, right? And that's important, but it also really is important to listen to, well, what do the readers want too, right? It's You got to balance both worlds. So the internal signals are, wow, I sat down to write and this topic just flew right out of me. Right. It's something that you just if for whatever reason, it happens easily. There's a lot of flow there. You don't have to try very hard. Ease is an internal signal. Right. And you should listen to that. Another one is enjoyment. Right. Even if it's difficult, you go, wow, I spent three hours writing, but man, that was really satisfying. Right. Even if it was challenging, you get a lot of enjoyment out of that topic. Great. You should listen to that. Right. And then the level of friction, you know, is like, If you feel like you're trying to force it and you've been telling yourself, no, I want to be known as a productivity writer, right? That's your assumption. I want to write about productivity, but there's all this friction as you're trying to make it happen. You might be getting an internal signal that you love the idea of being a productivity writer, but that's not your sweet spot. Right. And this is something that every writer has to figure out for themselves. So these internal signals matter a lot. And I hope you're starting to see why you need to generate all these data points is so you have some internal signal to analyze, right? I'll tell you that during this 30 days, there's going to be a handful of mornings that you wake up and all you want to do is go write about the idea that you came up with the night before. Those are the type of internal signals you really want to listen to, right? You sit down at your keyboard and it's like the, the words just flow from your fingertips. Every word just kind of bang, 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 you put, put it out there. And it's like, you hit publish, barely even thought about it. That's what you want to double down on versus those other ones where it's like, ah, I'm, I'll do anything, but write right now. Like I'll, I'll clean the kitchen. I'll do just about anything. You should analyze why you're procrastinating on that. And it's probably because you're writing something that you're really not that passionate about. And instead of saying, oh, I'm just a procrastinator. Instead, lean into it and say, why, what is it about this topic that I'm not excited to do? And how instead can I find something that, oh, if all I had to do was write about that, bang, 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 I'm going to come out of it very easily. Yeah. The same thing with enjoyment, right? There's a, a little bit of the, maybe this wasn't the easiest thing to write, but it was extremely satisfying to think hard about it. 
right? Those are things you can sustainably write about versus I can't even get myself to think of this because it's, it's boring or it's really not interesting to me. You want to hit publish that day and then know that you're not coming back to it. Yeah. And that's the, like we said, the internal side matters. These are the internal signals. Okay. And then you have to marry them with the external, right? So you're, you're alternating between the two and the external are very objective, right? This topic got more views than that topic. This atomic essay got more likes than that atomic essay. You know, this thing got more comments than that thing. And so what you're doing is you're looking at the data and, and we want to emphasize this, touched on this a little bit a couple minutes ago, is that if you look and most of what you write is like one like, two likes, right? And then all of a sudden something gets four likes, right? Don't just go, it all gets no likes, right? That's a bad conclusion. You need to look, even when you're starting with very small data points and realize two to four is double, right? That is a tiny breakout data point. This is how I start. Everyone starts at zero. Okay. When I made my first social account, I had zero. When Dickie started zero, everyone starts at zero. And so this process, what, what the question people ask a lot is, well, how am I supposed to find data if I have a small audience? It's the same thing. It doesn't matter if you have a hundred thousand followers or you have a hundred followers. What you're looking at is the ratio, right? One like to three likes is the same thing as a thousand likes to 3000 likes, same thing. And so what you're looking for is these little differences so that you can go, oh, something about this topic is objectively working. Let me try that again and again and again. And all you need is one person or one engagement to inspire what to write the next day. And if you didn't notice already, you have an 800-person community here in this Ship 30 cohort. Writers from everywhere that you can share your writing with, find accountability partners. If you have zero followers, you'll have one follower if you opt in for a rapid fire. And bang, there you go. Now you have someone who's going to read your writing on the first day. Ask them, hey, what was the biggest question you had? Now you have something to write on day two, right? You go all the way down this. The resources are all there at your disposal, uh, and you don't need a big following. That's something we want to drive home. Yeah. So this is the journey, right? Weeks one and two, we're experimenting. We're making noise. Write about whatever inspires you. Don't worry about, I don't know what my niche is. You're not there yet. That's fine. Just write, make noise, and experiment. Then weeks three and four, we're going to start going through the analytics. And you're going to go, okay, I'm going to double down on what's working. I'm going to help. I'm going to clarify my topics, right? I'm going to start with, I write about 10 different things. And then you get it down to, I'm going to double down on these five. And then you keep going and you go, I'm going to double down on these three until eventually you're like, you know what? It's these two topics that really are what people want the most and what I get the most enjoyment out of. Great. Cut everything else, do those two and keep doubling down, right? That's every legendary writer, every legendary creator, how they become known for a niche they own is all they're doing is going, I start with lots. I double down on a few, I become known for one. That's the journey, right? And you don't figure that out by sitting in a log cabin and brainstorming for seven hours on what your niche is. It doesn't work that way, right? Get in your ship, start sailing, and you will find the island. That's the goal. And that's why we publish every single day, right? You, you, you've got to kill those assumptions and that's, that's the goal. Yeah. So real quick, let's do a little survey here. Drop in the chat, 
which of these signals do you want to pay the most attention to in this first week? You know, or do you want to focus more on the internal? Do you want to focus more on the external? And which ones, you know, is it what's, what's coming easily to you? Is it what you're enjoying the most? Is it, I just want to know what gets the most views. I just want to know what prompts the most comments, right? It's a helpful question for that first week. So I want to share some knowledge. The first week, the first two weeks, it should be 100% internal signals. You shouldn't even care, at least during the first week, what happens. You should judge just on, hey, I was excited to write about this topic, so I'm going to keep writing about it, right? Don't think, if you go in the first week and it's like, oh, I published something and I didn't get any likes on it, I'm not writing tomorrow, no one's reading this, you're going to have a, a hard time you know, sticking with this thing. Versus, hey, the first week, all I'm trying to do is just get in the habit, right? I want to figure out what feels good to me. What feels good for me to write about, to hit publish on every single day? Write as if no one was reading during the first week and just explore your own interests. From there, you're going to have seven data points, right? Seven data points that you can analyze. So don't say, oh, it's day three. I wrote something. Like I said on the kickoff call, it was day 28 on my original 30-day writing challenge. And I published something that got zero likes. I went and found it today because I'm looking back at that journey. Day 28, I got zero likes on something. And I remember being like, okay, that's it. It's over, right? No way I'm doing this anymore. And so your yeah. goal is not to analyze the external yet. It's all about the internal during the first week. Yeah, that's right. Well, wait, right? You know what the next question is, but how do we write in a way that allows us to test all these things? right? Makes sense. You go, I logically get it, but now how do I put this into practice? Okay. And this is what we call the for who, so that framework. So in the next session, we're, what we're going to dig into is this thing that we call the endless idea generator. And the for who, so that framework is like the endless idea generator light. It's a, it's an easy starting place for you to understand. Here's who I'm writing to. Here's the audience. So that what? What are you giving them? What's the outcome, right? And one of the mistakes that writers make is when you sit down, especially in the very beginning, you sit down in front of a blank page and you go, okay, what do I want to write? Right? It's an I question. And you're, again, you feel the responsibility where you go, I have to be the genius, right? I'm responsible for coming up with all the smart stuff. For who so that changes the question. It's not about what do I want to write? It's for who am I writing so that they can do what? Right? Question. It's not you're responsible for the genius. It's for who, so that what? Right? And so here's a, a perfect example. If you sit down and you go, okay, I, I want to write about digital writing tips, right? Replace that with whatever it is that you want to write about. I want to write about saving money. I want to write about real estate. I want to write about future of biotechnology, whatever. Well, whoever the audience is drastically changes the content, right? Because digital writing tips for college students is going to be very different than digital writing tips for first-time authors, which is going to be very different than digital writing tips for romance novelists, right? So the first question you want to ask, and if it's helpful, at the very top of your page, put for who blank, so that blank, and fill in those two questions before you start writing right? So who am I writing for? And don't just say, I'm writing for everyone. No, you're not. 
You're writing for one person, right? What's their name? I'm writing for Jane. Jane is a single mom with two kids who lives in Arkansas and works a part-time job and does this and her interests are this. Who are you writing for, right? One person. And whoever that person is, is going to drastically change what you write about, okay? So the more specific you can be about the for who, the more likely you are to sit there and go, I know exactly what I want to say. I know who I'm talking to. And this is, again, something you're able to test, right? If you're not sure who you're writing for yet, that's okay. Your goal is to say, hey, I'm going to share some tips for college students. And then maybe a, you know, a middle-aged mom reads it and is like, whoa, this was really interesting. Could you answer this question? And you're like, oh, I thought I wanted to write for college kids, but it turns out, you know, middle-aged housewives, that's my niche. I'm, I'm you know, writing directly to them. Right. So this is the reason we introduce this at the very beginning is you don't have to have this figured out, but you should start somewhere. Right. So if you drop in the chat right now, who are you going to start writing for? In the very beginning, you should have one at least smaller group than everyone. Right. Not productivity, but productivity for college students or for people who want to start a side hustle or for marketers or it could be broad. And we're going to try to get it more specific, especially next Tuesday when we do our uh, endless idea generator, but have some kind of idea because it's going to make things a little bit easier, right? One thing is just to keep in mind, it might feel like you're limiting yourself when you add that constraint, but really you're making it way, way easier to write something. Yeah. Uh, and that's just something to keep in mind. And you can, and I saw this question in the chat. It's a great question is you can change the for who, right? Like today I can write digital writing tips for college students and tomorrow I can write digital writing tips for marketing managers, right? Because the thing that I really want to write about is digital writing, but I can cater it to lots of different types of audiences, right? So today you can write about helping founders raise their first round and tomorrow you can write about how VCs raise money for their funds, right? You can alternate the audiences, and so that's the for who component. The so that component is the outcome, right? And this is, this is what so many writers don't give enough time and attention to is, okay, yes, you're writing to that audience, but why? Why does it matter? What are you going to help them do, right? So digital writing tips for first-time authors is the for who for first-time authors. The outcome is to attract their first thousand followers. That's the outcome right? So there's this magic intersection where you go, oh, if at the top of my page, all I do is say it's for first-time authors so that they can attract their first thousand followers, the piece writes itself. You know exactly what you're about to say. This is the audience. This is the outcome, right? First-time authors to outcome launch a number one Amazon bestseller. First-time authors to outcome earn their first thousand dollars, right? The for who is staying the same, and we're changing the outcome, we're changing the so that. And all of a sudden you do this and you go, not only do I have more clarity, but now in 30 seconds, I have enough content to write about for two weeks, right? Because the for who has opportunity and the outcome has opportunity. And, and I love seeing these examples come through in the chat because it's exactly the right way of thinking. So Jay puts for crypto newbies so that they feel comfortable using crypto. That is a great starting point because what that's going to do is you're going to start writing about beginner crypto tips and you're going to share one that 
everyone who reads it goes, whoa, I didn't know that blockchain did that. Could you talk to me about how that works? Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have a ton of different paths to take, right? So the, the thing to keep in mind is the decision you make today is not, and I almost guarantee, not going to be the one that you write about forever. But start somewhere, right? I'm going to start out with crypto tips for newbies. And it might be crypto tips for parents with kids who are interested in crypto, mm-hmm. right? How do I start to talk their language, right? That's a whole different niche, whole different content stack. But going into that with, hey, I'm going to just start here. I'm not going to put too much pressure on myself to have it all figured out because you don't have to have it all figured out, right? You got to have a starting point and you got to get your ship sailing. And that's our goal for today when you hit publish. So again, really encourage you when you sit down to write your next atomic essay before you write anything, right? Even stare at the template in TypeShare and, and ask yourself, what's my for who and what's my so that? And if you can make those two decisions, the writing is effortless because you understand who you're talking to and what you're trying to tell them, right? But if you don't have those decisions already made, you're writing and you're trying to figure it out as you go, right? It's really inefficient. So real quick, as a quick recap here, again, we just said, just focus on one golden nugget. Which one of these frameworks has been most helpful? You know, is it the analog to digital writing moving worlds? Is it the lean writing, start small, double down on the winners? Is it the making noise, listening for signal? Or is it the for who so that? You know, it's always fun for us to see what's resonating as well. For who so that seems to be a nice breakthrough. But again, these frameworks are, are tried and true, right? This is our 12th cohort now. And we know that we throw these out there from the very beginning because honestly, these are the only real high level thinking changes in Ship 30. The rest is tactical, actionable things you can put into your writing the very next day. But we like to set the scene on day one to kind of show you that this journey is just beginning right? Show you, try to take the pressure off that you're not going to have this all figured out today. You're not going to be able to say, Hey, I know exactly what I'm going to write about for 30 days. All you got to do is figure out what to write tomorrow. And that's what making noise and listening for signals all about, right? You put something out there. Someone asks a question. That's your topic for tomorrow. I'm going to answer that question, right? And then I'm going to get another question. And it's this lean writing framework of iterating, 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 instead of, Hey, I got to retreat into the woods. So if anyone's wondering where the chapeau jokes come in the chat, it's the idea of the legacy writer with his chapeau and his corncob pipe. We're burning that. It's gone. If you're on this call, you have completely left the legacy writing world and you're now officially a digital writer, right? You understand that you're going to use the internet for rapid fire feedback loops. You're not going to publish with ego, right? You're going to listen to the market and say, hey, I want to see what people are interested in. I want to figure out what I want to write. Instead of, you know, thinking you have to have it all figured out, which you don't. 